And uh, we've had some disagreement over the temperature in here. You know, it's 50, going to be 50 degrees out here. We didn't know if that meant we should have the heat on inside or the air conditioning. Um, but uh, the sun's shining, so, you know, that's, uh, that's off to a good, good start. Um, just want to uh, mention a couple of things. I know Ron announced earlier about the, the garden and the diapers, but just to reiterate that if anybody would like a, a garden bed, we have some available um, for, for members. And uh, just to, to give you an update, I don't have the, the numbers exactly, but uh, it looks like we're on track for all of our garden beds to be filled uh, this, this year. So whether it be for church members, people that are returning, but I think we have at least 10 new, new people, um, maybe a couple more than that. So uh, we're uh, excited to be making that connection with the, with the community and to be building some momentum there. The other thing I'll mention about the, the diet, which we're, we're getting in, um, is that I'll keep posting on the uh, church Facebook page. So if you have a Facebook account, uh, what I've seen some people do is share that uh, church post or make up your own because you may have friends out there that would like to contribute. Um, even if your friends don't need diapers, they may uh, like to contribute. And they can do that just by going on Amazon, buying some diapers and having them delivered here to the church building. It's real, real easy. They don't even have to come by themselves. Uh, so, uh, and, and we've already had some deliveries uh, that, that have arrived here. So uh, there's different ways. So the more, the more we can give out. And so we need both sides of that equation uh, to, be, to be working. So, um, but yes, appreciate everybody who has uh, participated so far and looking forward to a, a great day on May 13. All right. Prayer cards. Uh, if we have any prayer cards this morning, uh, at this point, there'll be another opportunity a little later. Uh, we'll gather those. Just one or two. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, one of the things I've observed over the last few decades, it has just become so common for Christians, uh, particularly, uh, to call for boycotts of different products, different companies. Um, and, and I think it happens so much that it becomes kind of ho-hum, you know, because we can't, I don't know if you but I can't. Um, it has become so complicated that I don't know if you saw uh, in the past week or two where Christians who want to say mostly, you know, in large, many of them, that it's wrong for to be drinking beer.
approve of. And then, of course, it's interesting how that And so it, it can just get confusing, you know, as to knowing what is it okay or not okay to to purchase. I don't know when uh, product started, but been around for a long time. If we don't like it, we avoid it. If someone is sinning, we avoid them. And if they don't repent, we send them away. Okay? Um, so, yeah, in Scripture. And so I want to just uh, put up a, a couple of them here. And uh, first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 11. And, and here... Uh, he, Paul writes to, to the church and he says, you shouldn't even be eating with such people. Okay? Um, and, and it's not just one particular sin, it's a list of sins there, right? A list of different things that they're, they're doing. He says, don't, don't eat with those people. Then we could uh, come to Second John. Right? Uh, I suspect... For quite a few of us, if we don't know anything about Second John, we've maybe heard this verse along the, the way. Um, if anyone comes to you, does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. I know someone into their house for a conversation or a Bible study because of this verse. Right? Uh, because specifically, it's talking about somebody that doesn't believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh. It's not just any false teaching and and says if, if they and so the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh and so that conversation whenever they came knocking on the door and uh, because of this verse so anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked uh, works so perhaps when these letters two letters Perhaps there was um, a teaching of Jesus that they had in mind. And again, this may be familiar to you. Matthew chapter 18. Um, uh, and there, you know, we see this process. It says, if your brother sins or sins against you, go and point out their fault. Right? And so do a process. And hopefully you're able to sort that out. Okay, and that's the end of it. But if it's not the end of it, it says take a couple of people, and they're going to serve as, as witnesses and uh, between you, and perhaps they'll give advice to each of you about that, about how this can be resolved. And if they still refuse to listen, 
then you go to the church and uh, say, look, here's this thing that's going on. And if they still refuse to listen to the church, then it says treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. So um, there's a lot to treat a pagan uh, and a tax collector. Uh, so it's not <laughs> quite as simple as it seems there. But generally, uh, churches a lot of times have uh, used this verse, this passage, as saying we need to disfellowship somebody that uh, doesn't do as they're, as they're told. And so, don't they? Um, you know, don't eat with them. is how we understand it. Disfellowship them. And if you don't do that, there's a participant in their work. Now, I, I can tell you that churches of Christ. Uh, when I was first introduced to, to Church of Christ, one of my first experiences, I'm in university in, in Tasmania and you know, just sort of getting to know Acapella Churches of Christ, and um, there was one church that I, I learned about that was in a habit of disfellowshipping people so much that the fastest growing church in the Church of Christ in the state was on the other side of that town, picking up. And they were able to grow and come to, to know God. But, but, like, do you look at that? attractive about that. Uh, that sounds like to me, right? Um, thankfully, the, the group of people that, that I had got to know were, were not part of that. But nonetheless, maybe uh, you may at some point have seen something along those lines. So I want to suggest to you today that although, uh, as we just look at them, in their abstract, one, two, three, look fairly simple. I want to suggest that uh, there's a little bit more to it than just that. Um, we might ask, for instance, at the beginning, which offenses should result in disfellowship? Okay. Um, and, and there was a list of them, right? You know, if we look at the, the first verse in, in Corinthians. But are they the only ones? Yeah. What about, because Corinthians doesn't say anything about teaching a particular thing. Now when we go to Second John, we've got this um, instruction about somebody who teaches that Jesus Christ is not God come in the flesh. And so is that the only teaching? that we should disfellowship somebody or separate ourselves from somebody over? Um, or are there others? Um, and the three steps or the four steps that we see there, uh, what's the time frame for that? Is it a week or is it a year? 
or something in between. We're not told that. Is it one conversation? Do we say... Or is it a series of conversations? Just on a practical level, one of the things I've experienced over the years is that uh, when, when churches become concerned about the way somebody is behaving or something that somebody is teaching, um, very often they go and they, somebody goes and talks to them. And the person I gets so offended in that that they never come back in the church again. Meantime, the church keeps going. It's like, which person? Right? Because that person's already withdrawn themselves in most cases. They realize that of the church, with that of, of scripture, and so they just withdraw themselves. And so practically, we go on. Steps never work all their way through because the relationship has just ended prior to that anyway. And so... issues that, uh, that can make that process more difficult than at first seems it should. But I want to from Scripture that I believe um, adds some important nuance to how we think about treating people that we disagree with or that we believe something sinful. The first thing that I want to to observe is Matthew chapter 18 as a whole. Okay? Um, so, Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bible the headings that you have in your Bible, if you have headings in your Bible. The, uh, it, it's a lot of teaching that, that Jesus presents. And it, it begins, or, or early on, it begins in verse 6, uh, where Jesus is, has had children come to him, and he's, he's saying to those around him, he says, don't cause children to stumble. Right? Don't, don't cause people, children who believe in, in him, not just physical children, but just people who believe in him. He says, don't cause them to stumble. If you cause That's their decision. Well, you can take that up with Jesus when you see him, but it would be better So in the sea, stuck on the bottom, than to cause someone to stumble. All right, so that's don't cause someone to stumble. That's just where we begin this conversation. Look at the next line. This power 
you know, the shepherd is out on the hills with his sheep, and then one of them gets stuck up there. The shepherd gets back to the uh, pen and counts them off. He had 100 sheep to begin with, and as they come in, he's counting. He gets to 99. He's one short. So he leaves the 99 there, heads back up in the hills. It's nighttime. It's, you know, dark. Um, but in the pictures, there's always a cliff, and it's dangerous, you know. And, but the shepherd finds that one sheep. And, and so, in there with all the others. How would you describe that attitude of the shepherd towards the sheep that had wandered away? It's kind, it's compassionate, it's loving, it's caring. Right? And, and so we, we get these sort of soft words, these gentle words to describe the shepherd's attitude towards the sheep that has wandered away. And then we come to this section, verses 15 to 20. And, and, and I think what we just look at is that compassionately and bringing them back and helping them if they're hurt. Oh, now let's go to the next one. And we should forgive people 70 times 7, not just 7 times. And you're like, hang on, what just happened there? Right? What just happened that... that And I What's the attitude that we have when we go to see somebody who, who we can see is caught up in sin? Somebody who has offended us. Do we regard that's wanted a way that we're going to approach kindly? Are we going to go and tell Like, what's our attitude? What's our approach in dealing with sin in the church? I, I think we need to be aware of the first approach, the second approach, and the fourth approach in this chapter before we jump too quickly to the third example given us in this, in this uh, teaching. And so I think sometimes we also have problems deciding what's right and wrong. Okay. Now, if we were to go back and look at that list, it would seem like it was pretty simple. Right. Let's, uh, let me see if this goes backwards as well as forwards. Here we go. Sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, slanderer, drunkard, swindler. Okay. Seems like a pretty good list, doesn't it? I mean, that, that seems pretty easy. Of course, never mind. Find a drunkard. 
right? <laughs> what, what is it that pushes you from somebody that's not a drunkard to being a drunkard? Um, you know, the police have their, the police can't even agree on it, right? Is that in Australia it's 0.05, you know, you're impaired for too impaired to drive. I don't know what it is in New York, it's not relevant to me, but 0 0.07, 0 0.06, 0 0.1, wow, gee, they're very generous here in New York. Okay, um, so, uh, but, but, so defining that, even scientifically, we can't agree on. How are we going to de define it when it's not scientific? So even when we get these, how about... Right? Oh. Wow. So what... Okay. And we're people here because we want to make sure that we're not... All right. It's not that simple. Right? It's not just step one, step two, step three, you're out. Even when we're given a list like this. And so who gets to decide? Who gets to decide that somebody... Who gets to decide... Who gets to decide... that they thought was legit. Who gets to decide? You know, I've seen the way that they look. Who gets to decide that? And so sometimes, yes, of course there's blatant sin, right? But sometimes it's hard to tell. What's right and wrong? What an attitude is? What, when something needs to be said and something shouldn't be said. And so we need to be very careful, very cautious about how we approach these issues. One of the passages often than it should is found in Mark chapter 9. And uh, I think it's challenging for us, but Mark chapter 9 and verse 38, just a short little account here. So the apostle John, who's traveling with Jesus, comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one... their rewards. Jesus has just cast out a demon out of a young boy. Uh, you might recall he's gone up on the mountain and been transfigured, comes down the mountain. The disciples themselves and uh, It's like, hang on, 
We're Jesus' chosen. We're the So he says, I've got to tell Jesus about this. Right? What's he expecting? What sort of response is he expecting from Jesus? I think Jesus is, he fully Besides, who knows what this person was teaching? Right? Who knows what passing out of demons? Who who knows? Who knows? can he really be a Christian if he doesn't meet with us? If he's not part of us? If we don't even know his name? Jesus, we really need to shut him down. We really need to fix this situation. And, and John is doing the right thing in bringing this situation to Jesus' attention. And then I imagine that he's disappointed. Right? He's convinced he's doing When Jesus tells him, whoever is not against us is for us. John's like, yeah, I'm not sure about that, Jesus. I'm not sure about that. I mean, if he was really... But I want you to notice as we keep reading the very low bar that Jesus gives for someone to be accepted as a follower of him. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Wow. That's a really low bar. He says to John, you're walking around with me. You're a follower of me, a disciple of me. And we go into a village, and somebody recognizes you as a Christian, and they give you some water. And they bless you, and they wish you well, and they send you on your way. He says, they're not against you. 
they're for you. They're for me, Jesus says. And, and so, why didn't Jesus want to um, ask them some questions about what their fundamental beliefs are? Right? Why didn't Jesus want to learn more about I'll be blessed for it. Why didn't Jesus want to know all about this person so that he could disfellowship them, so that he could separate himself from doing everything right? What if that I think these are the ways that we think too often. That, that we want things. Who gets to call themselves a Christian? Right? You've got to pass, I don't know, what are all the points? How many points do we have before somebody can call themselves a Christian? Or before, how many points do they have to fail? before we say, oh, we're, we're going to separate ourselves from you because you're not doing everything correctly. And, and I wonder if Jesus on that day. I wonder if we... ...tax collectors to the point... Throughout his ministry, Jesus disappointed social norms by accepting people that Jewish society avoided. It's one of the traits of Jesus that he accepted people that others around him avoided. The story why? Well, I'm sure it's for many reasons, but simply because right? simply because the Samaritan is good. We might today, if I was if if you saw a book and it said the good Russian, the good Taliban, the good I don't know, pick someone else. Right? And and we would say We don't know that they're a bad person, do we? But we kind of bad, and he says, "Oh, the Samaritan can be good." 
And, and so... That's the whole Did you see that? As he came into town, keep on walking. So they do keep on Fire from heaven, please. I mean, like. Jesus kind of slaps him on the back of the head. And he says, What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Because Jesus disappoints John. He says, No, just leave him alone. Let's just walk on to the next village. We read earlier in Acts chapter 8. Very soon after the resurrection, out telling the good news. If I was the first Gentile, non-Jew, to become a Christian, you'd probably say Cornelius, right? Uh, the Apostle Peter goes to his house. It's this big revelation of the healing, uh, the appearance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the whole and that Gentiles can become Christians also. Um, but right, that's the iconic moment. Before, before that, Christians had left the city of Jerusalem. They're going around telling people the good news about Jesus. And one of the places that they go is to the villagers of Samaria. You see, Samaritans were people who had been Jews. And uh, many of them, I guess, still regarded themselves as such. Centuries before and relocated to this area. And the Jews and the Gentiles that had relocated, had married, they started families, but they worshipped Yahweh and kept the, the fire. Jersey. And uh, and the Jews and some of it were full of racial or ethnic, um, but but what the 
right? That they the Samaritan clearly couldn't be good until Jesus said he was. The earlier Jesus sat at a well with the Samaritan woman and talked about that also. And when, after his death and resurrection, the church begins spreading out the good news, they go to Samaria. And they, they get to Samaria. Presented in Scripture as they are not Gentiles. Because the first Gentile is going to be converted, it's going to be later on. These people that in between, so much angst, so much tension, so much hatred, they are regarded in the church as followers of Jesus, as people that are part of the Jewish nation. And so we see this attitude change, that Jesus welcomes and accepts people that society is pushing away. Even if they have the wrong religion, even if they work in the wrong place, even if they only accept the That the gospel is taken to. So let me be clear that Jesus did not ignore sin. Right? Jesus did not ignore sin and we should not ignore sin. Jesus died for sin. That makes it significant. Right? So see something that seems wrong, when we hear something that seems incorrect, we need to be very careful about the lines that we draw in those situations. We need to be careful to stumble. We need We need to be careful that we need to be careful how we do that. We need to be repetitive. We need to ensure and we need to be careful. We need to ensure Disappointing Jesus. Calling down While at the same time, Jesus is shaking his head that we would even have that thought. 
we need to be careful. Disappointing Jesus. Sometimes, because we're disappointing Jesus, we find Jesus to be disappointing. Because he doesn't do what we think he should. And because he accepts people that we don't think he should. Now maybe we're in scripture that had that problem. Maybe we're not like that, but I do encourage us to examine ourselves and see if we're not too quick to want to pull a trigger at verses 15 to 20, addressing sin in the life of the church or in the life of those around us without first considering the bigger picture. And the bigger picture always includes ourselves.